Hi, this is Billy Briscoe from the Briscoe Group, a minority-owned firm founded right here in Houston. Stuck in a business dispute, injured at work, a bad auto accident. We're standing by day and night ready to fight for you. Put the law on your side with Houston's top legal team. Schedule a free consultation at thebriscoelawfirm.com. Call us at 713-752-2600. Put the law on your side with Houston's top legal team. Because every client matters. Psalm 117 is memorable as the shortest song in the Hebrew hymn book, and it is measured to be in the exact center of the entire canon of Scripture so that every word that precedes and every word that follows Psalm 117 derives its impetus from its depths. As such, it is messianic in its call to praise, millennial in its cause to praise, and missionary in its command to praise. Psalm 113 called on the servants of the Lord to praise the Lord. Psalm 114 called on the earth to tremble at the very presence of the Lord. Psalms 115 and 116 have nothing to say to the nations or about trembling. But Psalm 117 not only calls on the nations to turn from their gods and praise the Lord, it is seemingly out of place and highly controversial. Moreover, the Psalm calls on the nations to do something revolutionary and almost impossible. Something that many nations even find offensive. In the Hebrew model, brothers and sisters, knowledge is not simply wisdom acquired, but knowledge is the hindsight of lived experience. In other words, you cannot praise God from what you have not experienced. You can glorify God for somebody else's testimony, but you can only praise God from lived experience. Many of you will know that in academic research, there is a distinction between theoretical knowledge and applied knowledge. Theoretical and applied knowledge in fields of study such as physics 
and math, economics and ethics. There are theoretical methods and applied methods of acquiring knowledge. Theoretical research deals with abstract, hypothetical scenarios. Applied research, however, addresses real-world problems. Brothers and sisters, when it comes to praise, glory to God cannot be driven by theory. But praise to God must be by application. Because when we pause to think, we have cause to thank. When we think about God's goodness, we have to take a minute to thank God for his loving kindness. You can't think long without thanking. Because when you think about where God brought you from, when you think about the prayers God has answered, the tears God has dried, the doors God has opened, the enemies God has put down, the friends God has brought your way, when you think about it, it causes you to thank God. Uh, the only... There are only two points in my little message this morning. Uh, I, I don't have three. I don't have a poem. I don't have a conclusion. I, I just have two little points in this little sermon. Uh, you're still full from Thanksgiving. You don't want to hear a whole lot of preaching this morning. So I only have two little points this morning. My first point is, if we're going to get this psalm, we need to know who the singer is. Given the psalm's brevity, we must determine to answer two questions. Who is the singer and what is the psalm? Who's singing and what is he singing about? Who is the messenger and what is the message? In order for us to understand the book of Psalms, 1 Chronicles at chapter 25 teaches us something about how the book of Psalms came together. King David, who not for the moment occupied with adjudicating matters of state, David um, put together a call or or a praise or a calling of some, some ancient directors of music, namely Asaph, Heman, and Jonathan, along with 288 trained singers in 24 groups of 12. Their task was not only to prophesy or tell forth the word of God, but as proclaimers of God's word, crafting words fit for worship. They composed music. They composed these psalms which were gathered together, which became a part of the 150 psalms that we now read today. 
Not only were the Psalms, many of them written by David, but many of them were written by Moses or Hezekiah or Isaiah, but they were put together by chief musicians like Asaph, Heman, and Judith. Brothers and sisters, this is a songbook for a nation, for a people under God designed to bring them as one as the people of God and their king brings them in the presence of the living God. But Psalm 117 is too grand and too good, too demanding and too extensive for even David to sing. It's too grand, it's too good, it's too demanding, it's too extensive even for David's son Solomon to sing. It's too grand, it's too good, it's too extensive for the wicked king Ahaz to sing. It's too grand, it's too good, it's too extensive for the righteous king Hezekiah to sing. Not even Hezekiah's great-grandson, the righteous king Josiah, can sing this song. They wrote it, but they couldn't sing it. They put it together, but they couldn't sing it. Because the one who leads us into worship is the one we are worshiping. The one who the psalm is about is the one who's the only one to sing this song. Brothers and sisters, the only way, the only way we can sing this psalm is to know who this psalm is about. I think I mentioned to you a few sermons ago that uh, it's one thing to quote the 23rd psalm. But it's quite another to know the shepherd. It's, it's one thing to memorize scripture, but it's quite another to know who the scripture is about. The risen Christ is the conductor of this morning's worship. Not just with the conviction of someone who holds on to God in the darkness, but with the conviction of someone whose faith in God has been vindicated. The only way to sing this impossible countercultural hymn with confidence and conviction is to sing with the risen and ascended Jesus Christ. Now when you look at Psalm 117, verse number one, there are two words for praise. The word, the first word for praise in verse number one is the Hebrew word Hallel. Transliterated into our English word Hallelujah, which means to shine light upon, which means to give glory upon. That's the word Hallel. The first word praise is the word Hallel, transliterated Hallelujah. But in that same verse one, the psalmist uses a different word for praise than Hallel, which means hallelujah. 
The second word that he uses occurs only four times in the book of Psalms. It is translated, Lord him. L-A-U-D, Lord him. It means, brothers and sisters, to sing aloud. It conveys the idea that God should be praised with a voice loud enough for everybody to hear. You can worship quietly, but you can't praise quietly. Because the very word praise means to make some noise. I know you're quiet. I know you're reserved. I know for you it don't take all of that. And I know you're kind of laid back and you just don't want to exert a whole lot of energy and trick. I just come to listen. I don't need no listeners this morning. Uh. I need some people here that God has done something for you that you know it was nobody that God could do it. You, you, you got a breakthrough that only God could break through. You got a prayer answered. You got a way made. You got a door open that no lawyer could do, no doctor could do, no friend could help with, no spouse could pray about. It was nobody. I I, I don't need you to shake your head this morning. I, I don't need you to clap your hands this morning. I need some noisy folk in here this morning who know that if it had not been You have my permission right now. If you're sitting in a quiet section, get up right now and find some folk who are making noise because when praises go up, hey, let the redeemed of the Lord. I'm trying to get to my little second point here. I only got two points. I don't have a poem. I don't have a conclusion. I just got two little points. I'm, I'm trying to get to my little second point here. But um, when the Astros were in the World Series playing the Philadelphia Phillies, one or two games they were not even in Houston. They were all the way in Pennsylvania. But at Minute Maid, they pulled the roof back and had a watch party. The team was out of town, but you could hear them when you passed on I-10. I wish I had somebody to help me. You could hear him all the way downtown at a watch party. The team wasn't even in Houston, 
they were in Philadelphia and you could still hear them in Houston making noise. Now if you can holler for a team that's out of town, what about a captain that woke you up? What about a God who put food on your table? What about a God that healed your body? Let's have a watch party this morning. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Uh, I want to I want to testify for the real shouters in here this morning you can't get to the mic so let me speak for the real shouters in here this morning you don't need me to preach for you to shout You don't need to hear a piano or an organ. You don't need a choir director or a soloist. You don't even have to be at Lily Grove and it doesn't even have to be Sunday morning. When you start looking back over your life and see where the Lord brought you from, sometime you're in the house by yourself. And you just all of a sudden say, thank you. Have I got a shouter here? Have I got a worshiper here? Praise the Lord. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. He's worth. When I wake up, he's worth. When I lay down, he's worth. When I take a bite of food, he's worth. When I put my own clothes on, he's worth. When I drive myself around, he's worth. When I go to a house he gave me, he's worth. When I talk to friends who love me, he's worth. When folk talking about me behind my back, he's worth. Every day, every hour, every week, every month, every day, he's worthy. That's the scene. Let me get now to the song. He, he commands us to praise the Lord. But then he gives us a reason to praise the Lord. The reason we give God praise is because of his merciful kindness. Merciful kindness he's not just merciful 
He's kind. He, he's not just kind. He's merciful. He doesn't do what he does because he has to. He just blesses because he wants to. I don't deserve it, but he gives it to me anyway. I should be in hell this morning, but he woke me up in my right mind. His merciful kindness. I've spoken for the shouters this morning. Let me speak now for the sinners in here this morning. Who did enough just yesterday. Somebody ought to help me preach it. I've got so many decisions I wish I hadn't made. So many wrong turns I wish I could change. So many skeletons in my closet that if you open the door, every last one of them would fall out and I'd have to crawl out of this church on my belly because I'm so ashamed of what I've been and not only what I've been, but what I am. But Paul says it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. I see you. I'm looking at you. Trying to act all holy. You don't see no evil and hear no evil. Think no evil. Nobody can't cuss around you. And nobody can't drink around you. And you, you so sanctimonious and you look down your spiritual nose at everybody. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every time I desire to do good, evil is always present. And the good that I would do, I find myself not doing. And the evil that I don't want to do, that's exactly what I do. Oh, wretched man, not that I was, but that I am. The Bible says, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. And the truth is not in you. Can I shock your sensibilities this morning? Pride is not just thinking more highly of yourself, but pride is also thinking too lowly of yourself. You miss that. Pride is not just thinking too highly of yourself, it's thinking too lowly of yourself because sometimes you are as proud that you're humble. 
I still don't think I got that over to you. You're proud of the fact that you don't smoke and you don't drink and you ain't never been to jail and you've never committed adultery and you've never looked at no woman but your wife or no man but your husband. You're proud of that. You thought it. And the Bible says, if it's in your heart, Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying do it. I'm saying if it's in your heart, you've sinned already. Because sin is not just what you do. Sin is what you think about doing. Have I got a witness here? And so let me speak for the sinners in here who can't get to the microphone. I'm glad God is full of mercy. I'm glad God is full of grace. I'm glad God continues to look beyond faults and see all our needs because if God judged us according to our actions, we'd be in hell this morning. I don't just shout because of what God brought me from. I shout because of what God also kept me from. I, I didn't go all the way because God kept me. I'm not on drugs because God kept me. I'm not in prison because God kept me. Have I got a witness here? I've, I've done enough to be there, but God kept me. God kept me. God kept you. God put a hedge around you that when you would have gone all the way to destruction, the Holy Spirit brought you back to your senses. The expression merciful kindness is the Old Testament equivalent of the New Testament word grace. The Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago is devoted to discoveries that have revolutionized modern medical science. Among those honored in the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago is a man named Sir James Simpson. Sir James Simpson is the man who discovered chloroform, helping people sleep through the most terrible horrors of a medical operation. Sir James Simpson, with the invention of chloroform, opened the door to the marvels of medical technology. All of the medical marvels that we enjoy today, the doors were opened by Sir James Simpson in his invention 
of chloroform. Sir James Simpson was a Christian. And after his invention of chloroform, he was hailed in capitals around the world. A reporter from the Chicago Tribune came to speak with Sir James Simpson about his invention of chloroform that not only made him rich, but revolutionized medical science. And the reporter asked Sir James Simpson, what was his greatest discovery? Sir James says, as a Christian, my greatest discovery is not chloroform, but my greatest discovery is that I am a sinner in the sight of God. The reporter, much like these reporters today who are talking to Christians and they're trying to change the subject because they want to talk about something else, asked Sir James, I know, I appreciate that, so what is your second greatest discovery? Sir James said, my second greatest discovery is that Jesus died for a sinner like me. I'm trying to tell somebody this morning, if you want to shout, think about how sinful you are and what you really deserve is a burning hell, but how God sent Jesus Christ to the cross to die in your place and my place. And we have cause to shout this morning because he wrote our names in the Lamb's book of life and we deserved eternal damnation. Merciful kindness. The reconciliation of God's merciful kindness and God's everlasting truth was mediated on the cross of Calvary. Jesus took our guilt that we might take his goodness. Jesus took our sinfulness that we might take his sinlessness. Jesus took our ruin that we might take his righteousness. He became what we are that we might become what he is. The son of God becomes the son of man so that sons of men can become sons of God. You want a reason to shout? You want a reason to give God praise? You deserve hell, but God sent us heaven. I'm through. You fool from Thanksgiving, you don't want to hear no long sermon. I don't have any poems, I don't have any conclusion, I just have two little points, I'm finished now. NASA's James Webb Space Telescope is discovering that many stars are what is called binary stars. A binary star is a system of two stars that are gravitationally bound to and in orbit around each other. Binary stars are in fact twins. Before I get through this little sermon, when God 
in Genesis chapter 1 said, let there be, everything is still being. They are still discovering unknown galaxies because God said, let there be one time. God just said, let there be. And everything that was not started straining to become. So that they are still looking through telescopes, the Hubble telescope, the Webb Space Telescope, finding unknown planets and unknown stars, and they have discovered binary stars. A binary star is a system of two stars that are gravitationally bound to and in orbit around each other. In fact, a binary star is two stars, one born from another. Binary stars are twins. They are the same star, they just become two, and now they are binary. I'm through. You full from Thanksgiving. You don't want to hear no long sermon. I don't have any poems. I don't have only two points to this little word. I don't have three. But God has a binary star. And God's binary star is the bright morning star. God has a twin. And God's twin is Jesus Christ. In Bethlehem of Judea, the eternal, uncreated, self-existent one became a man born to die. Jesus came from God. Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word. You gonna help me close this, won't you? I, I don't have any other points, I don't have any conclusion. In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God. I need two or three Bible readers here. And the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth thank God for the word thank God for his binary star thank God for Jesus who who came from God he didn't have to do it he didn't owe us anything but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son his binary star that whosoever believeth should not perish but have everlasting life the reason why I shout so much the reason why I praise God with such enthusiasm the reason why I have my own watch party from time to time is because I was on my way to hell, but God sent his binary star. I was lost and without hope in the world, 
But God sent Jesus to become sin for us who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And if you are saved this morning, you're not saved because you come from a good family. If you are saved this morning, it's not because you have a Bible with large print in it. If you are saved this morning, it's not because you were raised in church. Because a whole lot of folk were raised in church, but the church never got raised in them. If you are saved this morning, it's because you accepted Jesus Christ. You agreed with him that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And the reason why you are shouting so much this morning is because you got so much to shout about. Let's think about our material blessing. You had a bed to sleep in. You had a roof over your head. That's something to shout about. You got clothes in your closet. You can pay to get your hair done. That's something to shout about. Gas prices are going high, but you can still afford to go wherever you want to go. Airline tickets are skyrocketing, but you can still fly wherever you want to go. That was a time we had to go in through the back door, but now God has made a way for us. We can sit down in restaurants and people serve us who used to make us go to the back door. That's enough to shout about. You got a job to go to in the morning. You don't have to live in a homeless shelter. You're able to take care of yourself. That's something to shout about. All your children are doing well. That's something to shout about. You have a retirement when you get older. That's something to shout about. You got health and strength. That's something to shout about. You're still in your right mind. That's enough to shout about. You can dress yourself, feed yourself, think for yourself, drive yourself, walk by yourself, talk for yourself. That's enough to shout about. But if that's not enough to shout about, I got something else to shout about. One Friday on a hill called Calvary, a man named Jesus, he died, didn't he die? But early Sunday morning, he arose with all power in his hands. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye, his eye, his eye, his eye, his eye is on the spiral. And I know he watches me. Why should I feel this going? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely and long 
for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion my constant friend is he his eye is on the spiral and I know he watches me I sing because I'm happy I sing because I'm free if the Lord been good to you if the Lord gave you something to shout about if the Lord opened doors for you if the Lord been good to you don't wait till the battle is over go ahead shout right now don't wait till the prayer is answered don't wait till the door is open don't wait until the sickness is recovered go ahead shout now maybe nobody want to shout with you maybe nobody want to get happy with you shout by yourself thank you by yourself tell him thank you thank you thank you thank you I know he's all before the Supreme Court but I stand in this pulpit and pulpits around this country telling the same story arguing God's case he was born in Bethlehem reared in Nazareth baptized in the Jordan performed miracles in a desert place he was down wounded for our transgression he was bruised for our iniquity, I've been arguing his case 45 years. He died, didn't he die? But bright early Sunday morning, he got up. I'm still arguing his case. I'm still trying to tell somebody that I'm just a nobody. Trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody won't he do it won't he do it won't he do it 
Why don't you tell somebody he brought me out? He's been good to me. He's made a way for me. I know he's all right. some of you always had it good but there are some of us who's come from a mighty long way maybe you've always lived in a gated community but some of us lived in the projects some of us lived in a shotgun house 
Maybe you've always had nice cars, but some of us had to park where we didn't have to back out because the transmission was gone. Some of us remember putting rags in the cracks to keep the cold air out. Some of us remember putting some tin foil on the antenna so you could catch a station on the television. Some of us remember not having enough. And now look where God has brought us from. How dare you sit in the presence of the living God and not give God worthy praise. He is worthy. He is worthy.